Hold on to your hats, the countdown to the biggest wellness event of the year is on. Join our side August 15 and 16 in Melbourne for not one, but two days of Powerhouse Wellness, featuring 11 of Australia's most inspiring, entertaining, educating, fermentating speakers. Damo, what is fermentating? MP, I'll tell you at the summit. Your favourite wellness couch speakers are joined by special guest Nat Kringudis on all things hormones and female health. Join the Up For A Chat girls, the wellness guys, the natural nutritionist Steph Lowe, Kale Brock, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witt, Marcus Pierce, and the rest of your favourite wellness couch podcasters. Regular and VIP tickets are still available, but hurry before this summit is sold out. For tickets, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. The Wellness Summit is proudly brought to you by Well & You. Be someone that makes you happy. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, clinical psychologist, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today, we are talking to Lucy Bouchier, who is a life coach, yoga teacher, writer, and fellow podcaster. So welcome, Lucy. Hi, Carrie. Thank you. And hello, everyone listening. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Oh, yeah. You, you didn't even have a practice run before. No, <laughs> oh, perfect. Wonderful. So, Lucy, tell the listeners about you and your story and how you became all these amazing things, life coach, yoga teacher, wow, and writer. Tell yeah. us how you got there. Yeah, great. Okay. So, it's kind of I was I was um, being interviewed recently and, and the, the lady, the way she sort of asked me, she said, was this a perfectly, you know, purposeful um, plan of action that you took to to kind of get to where you are and doing the work that you're doing in the world or was it just an accident? And I had to think and I thought, well, you know, it, it kind of was a bit of an accident really. So I, I actually started out um, my career, my sort of official, I suppose, um, career in, in PR. So I was working in corporate PR for a number of years when I just finished my university degree, which was in communications and public relations. And uh, that was completely different, obviously, to the stuff and everything that I'm doing in the world today. But um, so I, I basically was just jumped straight on into that corporate space when I was a 23, I think. And yeah. that's really what I wanted to do at the time. I thought, this is this is me. This is the, the world that I want, the kind of glamorized idea that you might have about PR. Um, and I really just wasn't prepared, I suppose, for 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 really what that industry would be like. And so I would just jump straight on into it with huge, big ambitions um, and really just no understanding about kind of how to look after myself and how to set boundaries and look after my own energy and and just take, yeah, just take care of myself. So I was in um, this corporate setting, which was really dynamic and, and fast-paced and energized on a good day. And then on a bad day, it was like being in a lion's pen um, and a pressure cooker of just stress and deadlines and answering to the media and, and different clients who spanned across a whole range of different industries that I was sort of servicing. And I was this young kind of 23-year-old girl who had tendencies towards being a perfectionist and, <clears throat> excuse me, really wanted to 
prove myself and just have everyone thinking that I was competent and great at what I did, uh, probably coming from a you know, some insecurity within myself at that stage, craving that external validation. Uh, but anyway, so in, in that, in doing that, I just, I really became riddled with anxiety. And that was the first time in my life that I'd experienced anxiety. Up until that point, I'd been pretty cruisy and I didn't have a really difficult upbringing or um, a difficult time in in my teen years. In fact, it came for me, that difficult period came for me in my 20s. So yeah, it was um, really awakening time for me um, because I, yeah, I really had no idea what to do about all these stresses and deadlines and pressures that I had. So what I did was I basically did what a lot of people in that industry did uh, and my friends at the time certainly did. And it was kind of medicate with um, drugs and alcohol and partying to find some kind of relief and respite from this some really, distance. yeah, some distance from your reality, some escape, if you will. Um, and so that helped really well in the short term and really badly in the longer term. What's well, what I say to clients? It's a, it's yeah. a coping strategy, but it's not a good one. <laughs> no, exactly. That's right. And now I've, <laughs> thank God I have some better coping strategies now, but I think that was a, certainly a time and a lesson that I had to go through and to learn. So yeah, I I was in that space and that kind of, you know what, it went on for about 18 months of this really overachieving mentality, working really hard and then partying really hard. And I just wound up this, really this hot mess, I suppose. <laughs> that, yeah, and that sort of morphed into a depression. It spiraled into, um, yeah, this sense of like identity crisis where I, and the way I kind of explain it when, I, when I'm telling my story is that I really lost my sense of self and, and who I was as a person. And I lost my voice, which is one of the, the things that I, I'm, I'm really committed to helping other people do in the work that I do now is helping to, to tune in with who they really are and to find and connect with and express their true voice. So that's been one of the biggest challenges that I've had to to journey through and now that's what I teach which makes perfect sense because it has the resonance of my personal experience um so so yeah all of that was kind of going on and I was nursing this dissatisfaction underneath it all which I think probably a lot of people can relate to it's that sense of just what you're doing in the world every single day and work consumes a lot of what we do it just feels completely misaligned with what you have that deeper kind of yearning and calling towards doing and it was totally misaligned with my, you know, creative compulsions and passions that I had when I was younger. Um, my, you know, my interest in social justice, my interest in being on stage and speaking and helping people. I was not doing any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, I've come to learn in the work that I do and in my own experience that, when we are misaligned like that for a long period of time and, and we feel really misunderstood because I felt severely misunderstood, not just by other people but by myself, um, it's, it's a form of trauma. And I think that really being able to express who we are and connect with that is, is something that's very important to our well-being and that's been my journey ever since really. So anyway, uh, when all of that kind of came to a big crescendo at the peak of my anxiety and my depression, I was in a meeting at work and I called this my mirror experience and it was the end of the year. I think it must have been 2013 
yeah. Um, and one of my senior account directors who I loved and respected, she had us all do this uh, team building exercise, which the purpose, I suppose, was kind of just to reflect back on the year that we'd had and, and set an intention for the year to come. And anyway, so she had us all go around in, in the circle and we had to say or share with the group the one kind of depo- the positive defining attribute of our colleague who was sitting to our right. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I can't even remember who I had because the, the thing that stands out in my mind from, from this experience was what the, my colleague to my left said. We were pretty tight group. There were about 30 of us in the agency, so we knew each other relatively well. Anyway, so it came to um, to my 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 turn. My turn. Mira, that's the actual name of my colleague who was sitting to my left, which is completely ironic. Yes, <laughs> Mira, as in M I R A. And yes. only now looking back, I'm like, what? <laughs> but um, anyway, so she started and she said, okay. She sort of sounded sounded really confused, and she said, okay, well, um, you know. I think Lucy has really good fashion sense um, and she always looks really nice. And I was really, I just, I I think I went white. I was like a deer in headlights because that was really the mirror back to me of, of all of the kind of this feeling that I had that I was, I was just not, I was not being or showing or doing what, what mattered to me at all. And you weren't there, like you weren't showing up yourself, just yeah exactly and so she was able to show me that and she did it from this lovely space she was so well intended with that there was obviously no malice and she had no idea that that's how I felt within myself that I really wasn't being who I really was but if that was the one positive thing that she could think about from about me for working closely with me for 18 months I was shocked and appalled and really that was the kick in the butt that I needed to be like Lucy you need to make a change so yeah it was it was a defining moment I suppose for me three weeks later I quit my job and I had no idea what I was going to do next really but I'd always wanted to go and and volunteer overseas so I packed up my bags I went to Cambodia and I volunteered in a children's home. Wow. Um, yeah. For Big contrast. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I just, I really needed a patent interrupt, like on a Absolutely. huge scale. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> yeah. I don't do things in halves. Um, so I did that and that was really a wonderful experience. And I always advise for people and the clients that I work with that when you're feeling lost and completely um, void of this sense of passion and purpose in your life, go and serve others. That's such a powerful way of connecting with purpose in your own life is helping other people. And whilst I was there teaching English and supposedly helping them, I, I really believe that they helped me so much more than I could have ever helped them. The most amazing bunch of kids who were so resilient and friggin' so smart as well and um, they're just the things that they'd had to go through on the adversity in their life just made everything in my life seem just so insignificant and anyway so it really erupted this sense of purpose and passion within me to go home and really make something of my life because I had all the resources available to me to do that and these kids wanted to do all of that and didn't necessarily have all of those resources so I really wanted um, to kind of you know 
to myself, but also to them to capitalize on the opportunities that I have and come back here and make something of my life and, and help people. Why was so, it so why was it so meaningful? What was what was the really guts of that experience that was really meaningful for you? Yeah. Good question. Look, I think at the time I was there's a couple of different things. At the time I was um, my sense of self-worth was really really low and I think that's obviously one of the things we experience when we go through a depression and when I when I went when I went over there I was actually still quite depressed and I I didn't know how I was going to find any relief from that in a way I was just very consumed in my own stuff very consumed with how I felt and being a victim of my circumstances and then when I was just completely thrown into this new environment, I had something else to think about, which was one. I had somewhere to channel my energy and my focus that wasn't on me and just kind of ruminating on my own challenges. And I could put all of that into helping other people. And that's one of my sweet spots is helping others um, and, and just the reward of being able to watch them smile and just go yeah I get it like I, I understand this this thing that you're teaching me or playing playing outside with the kids it was just it just took my mind off me and and, and onto them and helping them and there's something about that that is so cathartic and healing so that was one thing um, and it sounds a little bit selfish to think that it was it was all about me but I I do believe that in any act of you know, helping other people. It's like what you give away is what you keep for yourself. So um, that was just, it was just a really beautiful experience. And also just the kids and, and working with kids, which I hadn't done in a long time and their energy and their aspirations for their lives and just looking at where they lived and, and the challenges that they had to put up with day in and day out. Like I said, it just made everything that was a challenge in my life seem so insignificant. So there, there was a couple of different things that made it really special. Okay. So so then you came back to Australia? I did. Yeah, I came back. Um, and my parents, <clears throat> I grew up on a farm. So I had no idea really what I wanted to do at this stage. Like this passion had been erupted within me, but I was like, I don't know exactly how to Direct move it. forward with that. Exactly. So I ended up working on the farm <clears throat> for five months. <laughs> and, and again, a total contrast to my, my life in Sydney where my dad is a farmer. So I was out doing things on the farm. I was gardening and driving big machinery and doing cattle work and all these things, which is not exactly this, what I want to be doing with my life, but it was a welcome change after sitting in an office and, and being very caged up in the city for a little while. So that was great. And it was kind of grounding, just living the simple life for a little while and having that space to just really think about without the pressure of, of a really busy and fast paced lifestyle, have the space to think about what it was that I really wanted to do. And I, I read, um, oh, what's the book? Um, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that was one of the first books that really changed the course of my life and channeled it into to where it is today. So I read that and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Started to do my own process of um, you know, self-discovery and carving out my new flight path and decided to enroll in my yoga teacher training. So that's something I did when I was still living at home. And then I went on to start my blog when I was at home as well. And that was a really great creative outlet for me to just exp 
express all of the transitions that I'd gone through in my life, the struggles that I had faced recently um, to, well, to really, I have to admit it was probably a selfish um, desire at the time. Just I had all that inspiration brewing in me and all of these stories that I wanted to get out and I just had to let them out. And then it, it turns out that through my own sharing of my own struggles, other people could connect with that and would get in touch and be like, thank you, thank you so much for for saying that thing about your anxiety or about your depression and just being transparent about it. It's quite refreshing. And then they opened up and said, you know, I'm dealing with this in my life or my little brother's going through this. And and so it was this wonderful way of connecting with other people. And, and when I was sort of being vulnerable and authentic about it all, I I experienced the most connection I've ever had in my life with other people. So that was just a beautiful um I suppose, consequence of, of starting to write and channel my energy into that blog. And then it all grew and um, a little bit, uh, bit bit more and I developed a bit more of an audience and a sense of my voice. I went on to do my uh, coaching certification and start my podcast, which you mentioned earlier, The Brave Exchange. And then now I'm, now I'm a life coach teaching this stuff to people um, all the time, which is really a dream. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have found this work and now to finally be doing something that feels really aligned for me. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So quite, you know, different geographical landscapes that sort of <laughs> assisted you with this transition. Um, but, but also it sounds like, you know, PR is obviously quite relevant to, to what you're doing in terms of, um, you know, the podcasting and writing and, you know, it's obviously going to inform and perhaps was a relevant part of the journey along the way that get, gets you to this place of reflection now where you can, yeah, no, I think it's an amazing journey. So what would you say you've learned about other people through your life coaching and yoga teaching and writing? Mm, a lot. So I'm I'm a very inquisitive person, just like you are, Carrie. I know <laughs> probably being a psychologist and being in that field and probably a lot of your listeners as well, you know, it's uh, a curiosity in other people. And I'm always fascinated in, you know, the different circumstances that have collided so messily in people's lives to, to, to have them arrive at a particular, um, a particular viewpoint, I suppose, or, or perspective or model of the world. And that to me is always so fascinating and understanding what, what motivates us and what holds us back from, from really living in our power. And so that's something I've been able to explore in a more formal sense now with my podcast. Um, I always say it's like I, I finally get the opportunity to ask people all those weird stalkerish questions that if I just ask them in a normal conversation might be a bit weird, but because I'm doing it for a podcast, it's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, so that's great. And then obviously with the coaching too. So look, I think one of the main things that I've learned about other people is that and I was surprised about this before I began this work, is that we all struggle with so much of the same stuff, so much of the same demons. And when I was starting my blog, I just thought it was me that struggled with being able to formulate my, my words and, and myself articulately, or I thought it was, it was my own, um, it was just a, an isolated problem to me that I, that I struggled to um, show up in myself. It was my own problems. And I just, I really did think that it was just me. And then in this work, I've realized that it's just, it's not just me, it's everyone. 
the amount of people that I've spoken to on the podcast and some of them have, you know, achieved extraordinary things and are just living, you know, amazingly successful lives on their own terms and successful obviously is um, is subjective to everyone. But what I mean by that is like really living in alignment with their values and kind of playing at the top of their game. Um, and one person in particular, Lisa Messenger, who's the founder of um, the Collective Hub and uh, the Collective Magazine, which I think is in like 40 countries now, you know, just listening to her story and the, the amount of struggle that she went through, like she is a prolific public speaker now, but she was paralyzed with anxiety to get up and share her message in the beginning. And she had some horrific experiences um, public speaking. And she she went up there and she completely blew her first big presentation in front of a lot of people and a lot of media. And she didn't come back to the public speaking stage for three years. Wow. You know, and, and I look at her and I'm like, her speaking schedule is chock-a-block now. And you would never know that that's how she started. Uh, so that was, and that was really I was like, wow, I feel the same. Like when I go to speak, I get that anxiety too. And that's just knowing that I think enabled me and empowered me to go forward and take the leap into my speaking career. Um, So that's been really wonderful, just kind of opening the curtains on the successes of others and and really seeing it for what it is that um, it was a lot of a lot of work, a lot of internal work that had to be done. And I asked her, how did you get to where you are? And she said, with 10 years of therapy. And that's kind okay. of true for all the people that I've spoken with. No one has it all figured out. But the thing is, I don't think anyone is is necessarily better than anyone. And no one is lacking in the capabilities to do what they want to do in the world. The only thing that I've found to be holding people back is their own limiting self-beliefs. It's our own belief that we can't do it. And so what I've hoped to do in in talking to all these people is to be like showing people that, yes, this person struggled just as much as you might be struggling now and look where they've kind of got to. So it is absolutely possible for us all to to move past that if we can figure out a way of um, developing a new relationship with ourselves that is compassionate and having that leniency to know it's okay that I'm scared, that I feel the fear, that I don't think I'm good enough, that I am comparing myself to someone else. That's part and parcel with this journey. But yet it's not a signal for me to stop and pull up and retreat. It's actually a signal and an invitation to rise and move into that. So, yeah, that's a couple of things that I've learned about people. Mm, That's amazing. So what about what you've learned about yourself through your experiences? Mm. So much. <laughs> yeah, so much. I mean, I'm always on this total journey of like discovering more about myself and there's just so many layers to the onion. But um, look, I think one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I, less, I'm less attached to how things pan out. I'm less attached to the results of things. And I know I will say like I'm, there's, I'm definitely not all the way there. I'm not completely detached from outcome, of course. But I, I see the act of just simply doing something, like leaning into your fear and going and doing something. For instance, going and holding my first workshop with 35 people, which I was terrified to do earlier this year, absolutely terrified. But the, the sort of the thing that I was able to, to coach myself through the process and the way I was able to reframe it was like the, 
the act of just doing that in itself is, is a self-actualizing act. And so what I care about more than anything is just having the, the bravery to, to do what really matters to me. And if it doesn't work out, quote unquote, perfectly, great, that's feedback. There's, there's no like failure end of story. It's like that's some feedback and it's some interesting data for me to um, assess and, and just contemplate and then take forward. And I, I really do think that however anything turns out, like it's never like an end of the road situation. It's never a bad result. It's just data. You're just gathering data. It's in this experiment and this um, never-ending exploration of you and your life and doing what matters. So, yeah, I went into that space and I thought, yeah, I'm terrified. I'm really scared. But the fact that I'm doing it is more important to me than being perfect. Um, so, yeah, a bravery over perfection is definitely something that I've been able to really lean into and embrace in my own life. So that's that's really been fantastic. Mm, very um, powerful. Yeah. And then, I mean, another thing is just the fact that I have the, it's, it's totally up to me, like what I want to create in my life. When I was in my, my early PR days, I mentioned a couple of times I felt a victim of my circumstances. And I, at that time, I didn't even know that I had thoughts, like they just kind of came and I, it wasn't a great internal experience being in Lucy land at that time. But I I didn't know that I had any power over my thoughts. I just thought that all everyone's, you know, got a million things buzzing in their head and, and mine were not great or helpful, but I didn't know I could change that. Like I literally didn't even know that I had thoughts in a way. It's hard to explain what that felt like, but in the practice of yoga and starting to be more mindful, I realized that I did have thoughts. And in fact, I could kind of choose them. I could let myself go into a downward spiral of ifs and and buts and and what happens in the future and what happened in the past and why my life sucks. Or I can harness the power of my thoughts to kind of change that and change my my experience of life. And so ever since... um, you know, discovering yoga, that's been an ongoing journey and a really fun, actually, exploration for me because I'm never there. It's a constant um, process of falling out of that and then going, oh, yeah, come back into the alignment um, and come back into that that space of being empowered of your experience moment to moment. So, so like that, that, yeah, that metacognition, which is, yeah, that awareness of thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sitting in the awareness rather than being entangled in the story and in the thoughts all the time, which I know is something that you talk about as well, Carrie, with um, your you know resi- your messaging about resilience and and anxiety. So, yeah, Groovy. That's, that's certainly another thing that's been amazing to learn about myself and about <laughs> others. <laughs> so, tell us um, about some rituals that you participate in. Maybe give us some three tips on what it is that you do to keep yourself grounded and focused and balanced. Yeah, cool. Um, Okay, so the first one is yoga. I'm a yoga teacher, as you mentioned, so it's not probably surprising that (laughs) that's, yeah, certainly in my own um, tool bag of self-care rituals, I suppose, but it really is an anchor in my life. Um, It's, oh gosh, I how to explain yoga. But you know, a, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, probably do yoga. I recently went through a really kind of tough time in my life, um, in, you know, in my family. And yoga is one of those things that it is really grounding and it is really amazing. But it also, when you're on your mat, you 
it's really a mirror for yourself. There's nowhere to hide. There's no distraction. And it can be kind of a confronting process because suddenly you have to be almost alone with yourself and seeing everything and, and the difficulty that you might be experiencing in your life. And it's just more magnified on your mat. So, you know, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of tears on my yoga mat and you know, it is something different for me all of the time. Sometimes it's a place of refuge from the chaos of my life where it might be the only moments of real genuine peace and quiet that I have for the day. And that's amazingly grounding. And recently it's been a place where I can go and, and cry, you know, and not, I'm not sitting there kind of bursting into tears in a, in a big public class or anything, but you know, I might have a couple of tears at the end of class and I see those emotions as being just an energy of life that absolutely need to be expressed and yoga is a way that I can pull that up to the surface allow myself to feel it and really just to to let let some of it go release some of the charge around it too if it hadn't have been expressed then it would have been in there probably manifesting in certain ailments in my in my physical body and in my energy which I'm really aware of these days so yoga absolutely is has been a life-changing thing for me and I do it not every day, but um, I practice probably three times a week, three or four times a week, four on a good week. So, Wow. Yeah. That's commitment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lucy, how can people find you or your um, coaching? What's the best way people can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so my, my blog is um, three W's dot something to move dot com. So, it's just the word something, S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-G. T-O-M-O-V-E dot com. That's my blog and that's where you'll find all of my coaching packages and links to my, my podcast as well. The podcast is called The Brave Exchange and I'm on Facebook, Lucy Bouchier and yeah, they're probably the best points of contact to have with me online. I'm in Melbourne too if anyone listening is in Melbourne. I love catching up with people face to face. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lucy, for your time today. There was lots of pieces of gold in there. Um, and thank you, the TAP listener, for being with us today. Don't forget I'm running a series of workshops for on resilience for the anxious mind and body and also creating change for change agents. So that's working with health professionals who are wanting some information about how to create sustainable change in their clients. So please spread the word and tell your friends to listen to and subscribe to TAP in iTunes. And don't forget to give the show a five-star rating if you liked it. For more information about events and programs, please visit CarrieThompsonCasey.com. That's Thompson without a P. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.